Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. I'm super excited to be joined today by Darshana Avalar, one of the stars of Netflix's recent show, Sex, Love and Goop. I think it was out last year, Sex, Love and Goop. And I know many of you have watched it because I've had lots of conversations around it. And if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It covers a range of different practitioners in the fields of sex, intimacy and other areas. And it shows live sessions with real people um, around real issues like different levels of desire, body confidence, these sort of things and how different practitioners work, but in a more embodied somatic way as well. Um, and it's just fascinating to watch. And so I really recommend watching it. And Darshana was one of the stars of the show. So it's really a pleasure to have spoken to her about her work, which she calls erotic wholeness. And she speaks about that. And we covered a range of juicy topics, including what happens in the sexological bodywork session how to change sexual habits and intimate relationships and she shares some specific guidance for men and also how to explore the range of erotic expressions available to you including a conversation about the erotics blueprints quiz which was featured in sex love and goop and as darshana shares she feels everybody should take this quiz and i highly agree because it gives you an insight into what lights you up and what excites you, what you're curious about. It's really wonderful. You can get a free version of it online. Just Google search the erotics blueprint quiz. And uh, Darshana also talks about why erotic exploration is radical activism, ways to connect to your eroticism on your own or with a partner and how to find more ease and joy in your body. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did having it. Welcome to this episode with Darshana Avalar. Welcome to the Sexy Life podcast. Yay. I'm so very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, pleasure. Thank you for your saying yes. So, yeah. yeah. So I'd love to, well, I, I met you very briefly in a group of, um, on a training a couple of years ago, and both mm. sexological body workers, which I'm going to, I'd love to, to hear you speak about that as well. So I'd love to start with, um, what is it that you do in the world? Yeah, well, I call myself an erotic wholeness coach because it happens that, you know, I work in a, in a realm where we kind of get to self-style our, our offerings <laughs> and, and, and what that means to me and, and the work that I do, you know, over years of it evolving, I, I'm trained in various ways as a somatic sex and intimacy coach. And so a lot of people come to me for things that relate to their sex. And yet what I found through my work is that a focus on eroticism is more accurate and more all-encompassing for the kind of healing and transformation and exploration that most people are really needing and wanting. Um, mm. So for me, eroticism encompasses our sex and our sexuality, but it goes wider and deeper than that. And I'm sure we'll get into that. I'll, I'll just give a little teaser yep. now. <laughs> and, and the wholeness bit has to do with, that's a nod actually to a body of work that is very dear to me that has nothing to do with sex per se. Um, and that's a body of work called Soulcraft that mm. Bill Plotkin is the originator of. And the notion of wholeness being a reference to the fact that most of us living today, we might be adults in so much as our chronological age and having a job and a house and we pay our bills and yada, yada, yada. But many people don't actually mature and evolve psycho-spiritually, um, are not relating from a place of a true adulthood and a true wholeness. 
And so when we're whole within ourselves, that's also acknowledging that we are really doing the deep work to come into full integration with our inner children and our protective strategies and, and all the ways that life and conditioning kind of in the modern world keep us separate from our true selves, our whole selves, our essence. And in the work that I've been doing for many years, you know, like I said, people have come for any number of different questions about their sex, but really it's a question about soul oftentimes and purpose and how we relate and how we move in the world and how we occupy our bodies and the list can go on and on and on. So that was a not quite so short <laughs> explanation <laughs> of erotic wholeness. Um, yeah. So <laughs> well, I know there's layers of that I'd love to dive into, but first I'd love to to, for you to share some of your journey into this world and this work. Yeah, yeah. I, I could say partially it was like written in the stars and always destined to be and from one angle. And from another angle, it was just purely the chance of my own explorations and connections being formed that were like bricks being laid on a path that I just kept following. Um, I say it could be meant to be because I was very precocious and very into my body and into sex from a young age. And I like to say that my parents put the fun in dysfunctional. Um, they, they were, you know, both of them have passed and, and they were interesting characters in their own ways, but they were actually without intentionally being sex positive they weren't sex negative. And so I grew up with a lot of permission and shamelessness in, or shame-freeness um, around my own sex and sexuality. And so I feel like that was a tremendous gift that I was given. But then what happened is I, I fell in love in my very early 20s and, and got married and was in a monogamous relationship. And I thought the sex was fine, but when that ended, um, I, I began my Saturn return with a divorce and started dating and having sex with different people. And I realized that there was a lot that I didn't know. And that was happening concurrent to a deepening spiritual exploration. Yoga was my gateway drug. And as I like to say, and I was having really big experiences with my sex and really big experiences with my sexuality or sorry, my spirituality, right? But those felt like two very distinct things and I didn't necessarily understand how they connected up with one another. I wasn't seeing that modeled. And so that's what set me exploring for my own purposes. And long story short there is that over time, it led me to want to dedicate myself to this in a bigger way. And just, it was kind of undeniable at a certain point that this is, this is what I'm passionate about. This is where my gifts lie. This is what I am here to do in the world. And then this very cool thing happened almost a year ago where Netflix decided to, to put me on a great little show called Sex, Love, and Goop. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, pew, rocket boost. And <laughs> now there are a lot more people who know about the work that I do and who are seeking it out and, and who are being inspired by simply the seed of an idea that there might be more possible than they've ever imagined, both for themselves directly, but also in how one might approach exploring and healing things around our sex, whether it's overt trauma or relational patterns that you've struggled with, a desire for more pleasure in your body. It's like, these are things that are very, very common struggles, but not commonly spoken about, as I'm sure you well know, given that we are colleagues in that. And, and it's just such a blessed thing that now all of a sudden, like so many more people know, like, hey, this is possible, this can happen. And so I'm here doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you. And thank you for bringing in the Netflix series. So if anyone's listening who hasn't seen it, I really suggest going to check it out because like, um, I'm sure it's, like you said, it's been a rocket boost for you. And also for many, you know, I've had so many inquiries and, and clients and people who watch that show and just saying, oh, I realized maybe I'm not dysfunctional or there's, you know, I realized there's something else out there that I didn't know existed because I could see it in a way that I've never been yeah. able to before. So it's been exactly. such a gift to the world, that show and yeah. how it's rippled out. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's really dear to me. And I, I, it's, it's such a thrill still, like people will come up to me, you know, wherever I'm out and about, I like, I was just on vacation. So very far from where I make my home and, and people were like, what are you doing here? Oh my God. <laughs> like it's the, the enthusiasm. Cause it's so deeply genuine that people are like, wow, that changed my life in that it, like I said, it opened up the, the, the paradigm of a new possibility. And, and I want that for anybody who happens to find their way to the work that we do. So, and what's changed for you since the show in the last year? Well, the way I work has changed. Um, I, I used to be very focused primarily on a, a local practice where I make my home in Oakland, California. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so by and large, my clientele were local to me. And now I have people from all over the world who come to, to spend time with me. And I work more in immersion formats where we might spend several days together, really diving deeply. I work with women and sometimes they're partners as well. So what that means is I work with women individually, um, cis and trans, and if they choose to do that work on their own, fabulous. And if they choose to do it in partnership, then whatever gender their partner might be, I work with them as well. And it's really a, a wonderful thing to get to create these containers where we really go deep and it's very intimate. And it's, it's, I, I feel like I fall in love with everybody because we just go such beautiful places together. Um, yeah. And, and so that, that has opened up new possibilities for me as well, just to have a, a, a different reach. And I've got some exciting things that are coming kind of to, to create more community um, and, and create lesser barriers to entry and access, because this is work that for many is, is not accessible. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm planting seeds for the future on. And yeah, it's just been really exciting. Thank you for asking. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. So the, uh, this term erotic wholeness, which I love, it's such a rich term. Mm. Tell me, um, yeah, how you define erotic and you sort of yeah. give us a little teaser. Love yeah. to hear some more. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally for me, our eroticism is synonymous with life force. So it is our sexuality, but then it's also our sensuality, our creativity, our emotionality. It's our dynamism. It's, it's the thing that, that fills us up, that animates us, that compels us to do, to be. It, it's desire, right? So there's a lot more that becomes available when we shift pressure off of sex, 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 sex and open up in a more expansive way to, ooh, what, what is the sensual quality of my relating? How do I feel a flow of creativity? And I, I want to be clear, as someone who has long struggled with a desire to self-identify as an artist and a lack of certain artistic ability, um, I'm not using the term creative exclusively in that way. We are all creating constantly, whether we are creating our home, creating the, the, the families that we, we, we might birth a child or raise a child, we create in businesses, we create in the kitchen, we create in the garden, like wherever it is, I, I feel that our eroticism has a place in all of that when we take that emphasis off of it being exclusively about our sex and open it up more to like that sensual quality of aliveness that is always available to us if we learn how to pay attention to it and to be intentional with the applications of it, life changes. So that's that's what I'm about. Wonderful. And for someone listening who might be curious, might not feel this is available to, to them yeah. right now, what would you share as some ways that they can start to pay attention yeah. and connect with this? Yeah, I mean, one of the simplest ways is so long as it feels safe and good in your body relative to where you are when you're listening to this. So do not do this behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> do, do not do this if, you're, if your nervous system is like very hypervigilant at the moment. But closing our eyes and, and, and actually being intentional about shutting down our sense of sight, which we are so trained to pay attention to, you know, constant overstimulation of our visual sense. We've got so much input coming in, artificial light and, and, and movement and color, constant, constant, constant. So one of the first ways that we can really start to create a practice of noticing our erotic nature is to bring our attention into our bodies. So simply closing your eyes and touching your skin, 
or closing your eyes and I'm seated right now. So it's like, I bring my awareness into my butt, into my sits bones, the backs of my thighs, the places where I'm making contact. I feel my feet on the earth. And just being in a practice of paying attention to our body and to our other senses, so our smell, our taste, our touch, sight is wonderful and it's a beautiful thing. And for many of us, it's incredibly alluring and evocative and can be a huge part of our arousals. I'm not knocking sight. I'm just saying we don't have to be over-reliant upon it. And that doing so has a way of bringing us into a more intimate sensuality with our own bodies and our surroundings. Mm, beautiful that's a lovely first step to explore yeah. anything else you'd say would be a, another step um one of my favorites because I would love food almost as much as I love sex maybe <laughs> as much as I love sex like those are two of my you know <laughs> and and this is not coincidence I'm not unique in this way you know the idea of hedonism with whatever you know charge that word might carry for some people it's really about being deeply in sense pleasure. So one of my favorite ways, especially right now when it's been summertime here and, you know, the farmer's market is like overflowing with an abundance of fresh fruit and these giant tomatoes and whatever it is, really paying attention to the food that you eat, slowing down, taking the time. In this case, look at your food, you know, mm. look at it, take it in through your eyes breathe it in through your nose, take the time to slowly introduce a morsel into your mouth, let it graze your lips, let it graze your tongue, swirl it around on your palate. And these are things that don't have to be luxuries, you know, that, that are saved for that special glass of wine or something. This can be a way that you come into presence with yourself, really honor something that you are taking into your body in the most literal way, being nourished by, and paying attention to the more nuanced parts of that experience can be highly erotic, highly sensual when you feel textures on your tongue, on your lips as you swallow. So playing with food is another wonderful inroads for, for those who might want to explore in that way. Oh God, absolutely. It was reminding me of the very first time when I did something like that with, I think it was like a strawberry and having that strawberry hover on the lips and that first burst of juice that just felt like, just tasted like the most incredible thing I ever tasted. It's right? And it's like, I don't know about you, when I do that, it's like my whole body yeah. responds. It's like I'm Absolutely. doing a happy dance and like everything in me lights up and shakes and wiggles. It's like, oh, you know, like... Yeah. But if I'm just shoving food in my mouth in between appointments, which don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm not above it. It happens. <laughs> That's life. I, I'm not noticing the sensual quality of my experience. It, it becomes very utilitarian, very pragmatic. And I think many of us get so accustomed to that frequency and that rhythm and that orientation in our lives that something as simple as making a decision to really pay attention to your morning cup or whatever, or the, the beautiful salad in front of you or that exquisite piece of fruit can become an opportunity to instill you know, an entirely new experience into your day in and day out so oh absolutely <laughs> no those so so beautiful so and um, lovely to share for the people that come to see you what are the sort of common imprints and challenges mm. that they bring yeah it's it's quite a range I because I am um, among the many things that I've trained in to become an erotic wholeness coach, because it's not like there's a degree in that per se, but sexological bodywork is one of my main modalities. Um, I've also trained in neuroaffective touch and somatic experiencing. And so I bring a trauma-informed lens to my work. So I do work with people who have a fair amount of trauma. Um, in some cases, you know, we're talking about childhood sexual abuse and incest and rape and things that are very like for some individuals very clearly known that you know something egregious happened to them and it is creating an impediment in how they're living now and they want to work through that for other people it's I don't have orgasms or I want to have better orgasms. I'm not really sure what I want, what I like. And so, yes, my partner is willing to hear it from me, but I don't know how to tell them. Um, other people are really clear that they have a very hard time upholding 
boundaries for many different reasons and might have relational patterns and habits that they're looking to unwind and to create a healthier, more whole <laughs> way of, of relating um, both with themselves and with chosen others. So body work is a big part of what I offer, but it is a part and my work is kind of a more holistic coaching um, around a lot of different things that tie in. And some of my clients, I never meet in person because I work with them over video. And so we are doing somatic work and, and very intimate counseling work um, over the Zoom screen. And for others, it's really being in body together and experiencing what becomes possible in a container that, you know, I'd say for pretty much anybody, there might be some few wonderful exceptions, but very, very few of us would have had an experience where we get to be on the receiving end of an intentionally erotic, sensual, and sexual encounter where we are being touched and it's all about our pleasure and it's all about our sense of safety and it's all about what we need and want. And the person who is helping to facilitate this with us doesn't want anything for themselves <laughs> and, and, and the focus is all on that. Like who has that experience, right? Most of us are fumbling around, you know, whether it's in our, our childhood or adolescence, young adulthood, whenever it is that we're getting started with exploring sexuality with another person. And it's always about both. And if you are socialized as a girl and a woman in particular, then your socialization most of the time is going to teach you that you're there to provide for your partner and, and that their pleasure counts. And as I'm sure you well know, you know, much of us would define sex as intercourse and define sex as being over when the person with the penis has their orgasm, they come and then we're done. And the fact that that has, you know, been passed around as the norm in the, the misogynistic and patriarchal cultures that, that we predominantly are living in leaves a lot of women who, again, are my primary clientele a lot of women really ill-equipped um, to assert themselves, to bring, a, to be a stand for their own pleasure, to know how to create, again, even with a well-intentioned and loving partner, um, physical intimacy that that's truly mutually satisfying. So that's where I get to help. <laughs> wow. And there's something that you, you share there that just really touched me the way you said it. I just want to sort of circle back is that very few people have had that experience of just being touched without any agenda where it's just for them you know in that sexual erotic container yeah. and I just I just want to sort of reiterate that for people listening because <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things that sex love and goop where that that particular piece blew people's minds that yeah. seeing that couple just receiving or seeing in your session where you're there it just in service and the 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 the, the the person receiving um and I just like want to pause and just really say that because yeah, it's, like, it's a big huge deal yeah <laughs> it's like I imagine if um there there's a, a a book or a series of books that I loved reading it's an old one and some may know it, the the earth's children series clan of the cave bear I don't know if you've ever right, heard no. it but it's 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 a it's a fiction, but based in history and anthropology. And anyway, I won't go too long-winded. All this is to say it's it's a fictional telling that among the many, many, many storylines includes really beautifully held rites of passage for adolescents coming into their sexuality where the culture and the community, there are people who are older, but not elders per se, who step in in a very ritualized way to be the first lover and to do it in a way that is both teaching the, the boy or the girl about their sexuality and how to be in relationship with another, but that is also about giving them a really positive first experience, a really beautiful and intentional way of being awakened into and initiated into their sex. And I just, you know, that's like the kind of, granted it's fiction. And yet I do believe that once upon a time there were cultures, ancestral lineages that we may very well be descendants of where sex was treated in this beautifully intentional way and rites of passage and initiation were held with a degree of care that has just all but been wiped out of most modern Western culture. 
So it's true that most of us will never know what that's like in so much as our first experiences go. And we probably will have fumbled around quite a lot, made some mistakes, hurt others, hurt ourselves, been hurt by others in our intimacy and our sex. That is true, but it doesn't mean that you can't at any point along the journey have a different experience. And, and I feel like that is what is primarily being offered in the kind of space that we hold as sexological body workers um, to, to receive touch that is not asking anything of you, that makes no demand, that takes nothing, but is all about giving, whether that's giving you more access to your own self, to your pleasure, giving you more insight about your body, about your heart, about your boundaries. Um, you know, as a practitioner, we have a very clear exchange made. You're paying me for my service. And there's a code of ethics that is designed to create as much safety for both of us so that you can really step into that. And we're only going to ever work at the pace of presence you know, so as slow as we need to go for any individual to, to open themselves up to whatever their peak experience is going to be, that's what we do. Like, could you imagine if that was how all of us were having sex to begin with? Oh my God, like totally we'd, different world. Yeah, we'd be out of jobs, hopefully. <laughs> right, we'd be out of jobs. <laughs> I, I'd be okay with that. I, I would I would give my job up if that was our reality. <laughs> 100%. I always say the day that my job is redundant is a happy day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate. Like I'm not in the business of wanting to, my clients to become dependent upon me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not here for long-term relationships with my clients. I mean, some of them might be with me for a few years or something like that, if that's what's needed. But I'm in the business of, of really wanting to, people to feel empowered in and to be embodying themselves in a way that feels trustworthy and, and really having access to all the flavors and textures and energetics and expressions of their eroticism that they might desire. Oh, absolutely. And the a couple of things I'd love to add to that is is one that it's never too late right <laughs> you know never. I've had I've had clients ask me that in their 20s and 30s <laughs> as well as their 70s you know so exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say, never too late <laughs> I, I I echo that you know I I actually find it very dear I mean I I say many of my clients are in their like 30s and 40s and I have worked with a number of wonderful women in their 60s and 70s, and it isn't too late. You know, it's it, it, there's something incredibly inspiring to me about someone having lived that much life and still knowing that, hey, there there is a frontier left for me to explore that means enough to me that I'm going to commit to it and to have the courage to do that. Like, that's, that's pretty damn inspiring. <laughs> I get emotional thinking about that. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm also thinking of people who listening around sexological bodywork, they may have even seen you on Sex, Love and Goop. And I think it's also to say for some people that that, that might be a place they, that's just not for them. And that's right. okay. It might be a place of something that they might do over time, like having some talking sessions and conversational sessions before moving into that space. And I just like to say that because I, I've also had particularly women say to me, oh, I should want that, or I should do that. And there's a sense of like pushing yeah. or, you know, and yeah. it's about, so I just wanted to speak to that. I don't know if you'd like to say anything about that. Well, I just appreciate you speaking to it because I think it's really important given the fact that sexological body work in particular as, as a professional offering, as a modality is not very widely understood by many. And so I think, especially, you know, the show is phenomenal and the show was days and days of work that was edited down to minutes. And so you're not actually seeing an accurate depiction of what might happen for somebody if they chose to work with me, with you. And the way that we work with clients probably differs. Yeah. So there, I think it's really important for people to know that it's not one size fits all. And that's a good thing. Um, I, we, we don't need to should ourselves. And for some people, sexological body work in its expression of receiving hands-on erotic therapeutic gen genital touch might not be their thing ever to your point, but that doesn't mean that there aren't many other wonderful ways to explore your sexuality, your body, your intimate life, heal your trauma, whatever it may be that, that you're inspired to do. And a reputable and professional and integrous practitioner 
is going to create a container where you do, you do it at your pace and in the way that actually works for you without pressuring you in any particular direction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that as well. And, and in this conversation that you were sharing around receiving, um, so um, you mentioned something that I feel is really important around that even with a well-intentioned and great partner, creating this space to for a woman to assert herself to create that sort of um, intimate life that has that full range can be really challenging yeah. I really yeah. love you to speak to that because that's something mm. that I get a lot of questions about yeah yeah oh. well I think simply put it's that many of us are creatures of habit and it's it's challenging to create new habits as, as many of us know well when we say I'm going to start eating better and I'm going to lay off you know only one glass of wine <laughs> or I'm getting to the gym more it, it's not easy to create habits even when we intellectually say yes I want this mm -hmm. and there is not a tremendous amount of incentive particularly in a heteronormative dynamic for a male partner who has been getting sex in a way that works for him to change that just to satisfy his partner. That's this very sad reality for many people. Now, it doesn't mean you can't make changes. I want to be very, very clear. There's so much opportunity. And what it what people need to know, though, is that it does take work. You know, th things don't just instantaneously shift most of the time just like it takes you know over time for these patterns and these habits to get developed and really instilled it will take time to unwind them and create new ones and sometimes that's going to mean compromises that you might not be super thrilled to make sometimes that's going to mean delaying your pleasure your satisfaction your gratification in some ways to make room for your partners it might mean exploring with a range of intimate and sexual activities and I, i'm using those two words distinctly because intimacy is not sex and sex is not intimacy they can co-arise, but they're two different things. And the mechanics of sex might be satisfying for one partner, but the desire for a wider and broader and deeper intimacy might very well be the thing that the other partner desires. And these are skills that can be acquired. These are arts that can be learned, if you will, but that takes time. Um, so what I've found is that in some partnerships, even though, and I'm gonna, I'm speaking again in very heteronormative dynamics. Not that this doesn't never happens in um, other sexual orientations, but you know, it is what it is in the sh with a straight man and woman. That the man might say, like, yeah, I really want you to have orgasms, but that right there is missing the fact that said woman might feel a lot of pressure then to perform and provide an orgasm for her partner, as opposed to hearing that and experiencing that statement as, hey, I really want you to have the space and the time and, and the techniques and the experiences and the expressions that are going to be pleasing to your body and help you feel safe and help you feel relaxed and access the, the widest expression of your arousal possible. Those are two very different things. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so we have to be mindful of how even saying something like, yes, I want you to orgasm can not can actually be conveying the very opposite of what the guy might think he's conveying to his partner. And so men have their work to do in this paradigm of really unwinding their own misogyny. What, what they've internalized, what has been deeply conditioned into them. And this is not me bashing men. I love men. You know, my partner's a man, like, love them. And they were handed a particular cult, um, socialization just as we were. And so we're all, if we're really choosing to take this journey on in partnership, we all have to recognize that that's going to mean, you know, some deep internal work, not just learning uh, some techniques to, to get her off. It's, it's learning how you actually get in together so and for because uh, I, I for, for a, a male listening to this podcast how might he start that inquiry what sort of questions might he ask yeah well one is you know who who is the sex for who are you having sex for and really really asking yourself that question and really really being honest with your answer 
is going to provide the jumping off point for everything else. And you'll know who it's for based upon who is, you know, initiating it most of the time, who is being satisfied and brought to some semblance of completion most of the time, are the activities that you're engaging in ones where there is balanced focus between both partners, or are you kind of doing the same old, same old script where maybe it's so, so, so for her and you get your orgasm and then we're done. Like you got to really look at what's going on and seek out inspiration and guidance from trained, credible, reliable professionals. Also, I would say seek community with other men who are similarly inclined to want to dismantle their conditioning and want to be better lovers and better partners in ways that are not only about their own get off but are about how you get into a deep intimacy and a deep connection with your partner. And they exist, you know, there, there are wonderful guys out there who are, are creating communities, tending communities, doing this work. Um, again, I'm not the one who's gonna do it with you. If you come to me with your female partner or, or the, uh, your woman partner, then you might get a little bit of me, but you, you, I would say seek out someone who is there to work with you because none of us can do it alone, you know, like certainly not me. I didn't come to my work because all of this just was a cosmic download. And then I'm like, great, I'm an erotic wholeness coach. I came to this like you, I'm sure Sarah, like through trainings and different communities and different experiences and workshops and books read and this, that, and the other and mentorships and all sorts of ways that I've been receiving guidance and looking at my own conditioning and what I have, what I have tolerated and, and what I've allowed to pass for normal. Um, so we all have an opportunity here to, to really go into that deep self-inquiry and from there, our journey will unfold. Mm, absolutely. And yeah. And so one of the things you, you mentioned before as well is like, you know, this sort of full expression of what's possible, this full range of erotic expression is part of that exploration. So if somebody is listening, thinking, I don't know what I want, or I'm in habit with what I want, what's when you say erotic expression, full range, what does that look yeah. like? What does that even mean? Yeah, yeah what does it mean? <laughs> I'd love you to talk to that. Yeah. I mean, and there's some different ways to answer that. I, I'll make a reference to another one of the really wonderful practitioners who appeared on the show, who's also a sexological body worker, and that's Jaya. And Jaya has created this really fabulous body of work called the Erotic Blueprints. And I think that everybody should take that quiz. Yeah. Whether or not you delve deeply into studying from that point forward, notwithstanding, it's kind of like the five love languages, but for sexuality. And just like the five love languages have their limitations, the erotic blueprints are not necessarily going to be totally all-encompassing for everyone, but they point to the fact that there are different ways for people to experience their erotic energy most acutely, most poignantly. There are different ways that people like to express. For some of us, it's very sensual. It's very much about the tactile and we like the candles and we like the incense and having more of our senses stimulated serves to really bring us deeply in. For others, it's very sexual, which is to say it's very physical. It's very much about the, the titillation in our bodies, the, the press of skin and, and you know the weight of another on you and all of that stuff. For some, it is very much about something that can be a little more around power exchanges. Kink can come in, romance can come in. You know, so there's lots of different ways. The erotic blueprints give you one framework. Um, the, the notion that I often explore a lot with is core erotic themes, which I'm sure you'll well know. And this is a nod to a, a book. Um, is it, is it called core erotic theme? The book, no, the erotic what? mind, the erotic mind. Thank you. Yeah. Jack Warren's book, the erotic mind, which is a heady read. Yeah. I remember having a very hard time getting into it, even though I knew it was like required reading for my <laughs> professional life. But the notion here is that we, we are shaped in our eroticism often in, in very specific ways when we're young, you know, we have formative experiences, we have things that imprint us, and sometimes these are bound up in traumatic experiences, sometimes not. 
but it all means that just like I have a preference for my ice cream flavor, I have a preference for my sex and how I want to have it. And it doesn't mean that I only have one, I have many as it turns <laughs> out. Um, and we all have the, the possibility of that. And so when I talk about erotic expression, it, it's to do with what is the energetic quality, what is the ambiance that you like, what are what are the actual physical ways that you like to relate. Some people find incredible pleasure in pain, in, in intense sensation. Other people like things very soft and gentle and slow. And nobody's right and wrong in that paradigm or or or, or that um. I'm looking for a word that I'm not finding. Anyway, not an important <laughs> word. That range, let's say, of possibility. There's no right or wrong way to be. There's a question of what is true for me? Where does my pleasure come most alive? Where is my body most lit up? And what is true for my partner, if you're having partnered sex? So knowing about self, knowing about other and looking for where the overlap can come in is, is really how we would go about creating more satisfying partnered sexual experiences. But intimacy with self is always going to be the first step. So we have to know ourselves in order to then be able to share ourselves with another. And while you certainly can get to know yourself in relation to another, and many of us do it exactly that way, you can't I don't want to say it that way. There's a lot that will be, will go missing. There's a, a lot of tendency to kind of merge into the other if you don't start out with a clear commitment to self, to your own erotic exploration, whatever that may be, getting to know that. So mm. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, beautifully. <laughs> like, great, you... Probably created more, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always. That's, that's, that's it. Um, and I'd also love to bring in the book Coming Together by Celeste and Danielle, because that's yep. come from the sort of erotic mind lineage of being informed by that. And I think that's yep. a much more if you're easier yep. read with lots of wonderful I, I agree. exercises yeah. for anyone listening. But if you're into like a good read, The Erotic Mind, and yeah, <laughs> it's also a brilliant book. A good one. Yeah. And yeah. I'm trained in the Somatica method, okay. which is Celeste and Danielle's method. I've done all yep. of their trainings. And um, so I absolutely agree. And they, they talk about, as opposed to core erotic themes, the, the, they talk about your erotic movie, like kind of like a movie genre. And I love, I use that a lot. It's like, so do you like watching rom-coms or, you know, do you like things that are like passion and, and intensity? Do you, you know, do you want things to be spiritual? Do you want things that are power dynamics and, and really playing in that arena? And so getting to know that about, like I said, about yourself first and foremost, and then about your partner is, is what can really help you to learn more about how you want to express yourself erotically mm. and so you shared already some tips for sort of connecting to your own eroticism and your and with your partner and just in terms of observing the things that you do like and paying attention to those and there's so much clues in that so any other sort of practical tips someone listening yeah. might you might offer for connecting firstly with their own eroticism yeah well, so this is one that I often will give couples that I work with as an invitation. It's a jumping off of what you just said, or perhaps a, a refinement is I invite couples, but you could do this on your own, pay attention to what lights you up in your day in and day out life. That's, that's the starting point. And when I say lights you up, I'm using that term intentionally because I could say what turns you on. And different people have different relationships to that phrase. Now, I use that phrase because I very much am a proponent of living a turned on life, which does not necessarily mean that I'm walking around like horny all the time, needing sex all the time. It means that, that I'm engaged with my senses, with myself, and also the landscapes and the ecosystems that I'm a part of. And so what I invite people to do is to notice the moments, and it's something that you could keep a very simple list going in your cell phone or a journal. Notice the things that really just bring a spark in. And you know, I was I was in this really cute little gifty kind of shop on my vacation last week, and I found myself enamored of this the of art by this woman who makes her own paints from like 
copper and, and stuff like they're all natural paints. And she had these beautiful, super simple paintings, but I was so lit up by the color and, and because it was these handmade paints, they had a bit of texture to them. So I, I just went on this whole erotic, sensuous trip, looking at these pieces of art. And, and that was a moment where I was like, oh, okay. So I'm in my pleasure there. There's sensory, there's a sensory stimulation happening here. So I invite people to pay attention to that. And if you are in partnership, this can be a wonderful way to then come together and create a little bit of like a ritual space where you're checking in about, let me share with you the ways that I got really lit up this week. Let me, let me talk to you about, and, and be clear, you're doing this for your own sake, just as much as you're doing this for your partner's opportunity to learn more about you. We're reinforcing the fact that pleasure is widely available to us. We're reinforcing the reality that we actually do already have access within ourselves to be lit up, to get turned on, to, to be allured by something. And, and that's what I'm wanting to invite people to pay attention to in the flow of their lives. And so, you know, maybe you do this for a week and, and just take the time to, to notice what you notice. And if you're checking in with a partner, great, but even if not, then check in with yourself sit down, you know, light a candle, be at your altar if you have one and review the things that, that really turned you on and notice if there's something that is so sufficiently enticing or alluring that you're like, maybe I'd like to intentionally explore that further. Maybe I want to bring a little bit more of that into my life. And it does not have to be something that immediately translates into, and now this is part of my sex. I mean, it could be, but that's not the point here. This is the more expansive view of what eroticism is and living into that, being the embodiment of that. So when it comes time for explicitly sexual exploration, your sex is then being infused by this wider and deeper relating to your sensuality, to the things that, that really just inspire you and activate you. Um, so that's one. I, I, I'm not good at short and concise. That's not my, not, not my sweet spot. <laughs> However, the transmission came through. <laughs> exactly. We've gone, I've gone on a journey there, you know, yeah. and I'm imagining what a lovely thing that could be, you know, to do with a friend as well as, as yes, you know, to, to just be tuning into that. And also I could, I could really, you know, one of my practices with my partner is to always be in curiosity about who this person yes. is in front of me yes. and to hear what's lit him up this week I'd be like wow I'd be so amazing to hear and yeah. so um, I'm gonna explore that thank you yeah I mean like my partner has a job we, we absolutely know like I have the interesting job like <laughs> but he'll talk to me about what's going on at work I'm like wow yours you got really lit up by that yes. cool that's what lights me up I yeah. do not need to understand the technical realities of his world I get to be present to his, his fascination, the thing that got him excited, right? So, so this is another like nuanced piece there is that we don't have to be into all of the things that our significant others are into, but when we're curious about their experience and really looking for that, tracking for that, like what is it that's, that's getting them excited? We're learning about them and we're then potentially finding opportunities to bridge connection in new ways. Um, also too, I absolutely agree. These are things that can be done with a friend. So I, uh, to all my single folks out there, like you're not, you're not missing out on opportunities. Another thing that can be done same vein, but a slightly different instruction. And I will make this one succinct and you could do this by yourself and you could do this with a platonic other, and you could do this with a romantic other are going on sense walks. One of my favorite things to do ideal. If you could get yourself somewhere where there is more wild nature than human made nature, you know, stuff going on, but you could do this in a city. And what I mean when I say go on a sense walk is your intention for the walk is curiosity. Your intention for the walk is opening up your senses. Now, if you're doing this by yourself, you're going to absolutely be using your eyes. However, you could choose to use your eyes or not. If you're doing this with another person, you could 
do this as a trust building exercise, as much as a sensual exploration, to be guided, to be taken by the hand with your eyes blindfolded, for instance, and brought over to touch this flower blooming and this patch of grass and, and maybe sip this drink or dip your toe into this body of water and, and, and to really be present with how that enlivens your body and what that sparks in you and then share about it. So that's another kind of twist on a way that you can begin to explore. Um, going for sense walks is really fun. <laughs> Beautiful, fantastic. And um, just so simple as well. You know, these yeah. are things that just can be even, you could even ha be going for a walk to the shops and make five minutes of that a curiosity sure. walk, you know, just it's totally the true. The simplicity of it, but also the richness. So thank you. I'd love you to speak about the body because that's a place of um, a place where people can feel all sorts of things mm -hmm. um, around discomfort and, and shame and all sorts of things. So I'd love you to share your wisdom on how people listening might be able to access more ease and joy in their bodies. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, in terms of what we're, we're often conditioned to and acculturated to, many people will pay a lot more attention to pain in their bodies than to pleasure. And in that regard, pain can be a wonderful thing. It, it can be a teacher, it could be an opportunity, it can be an invitation, like, oh, there's discomfort here. Oh, there's limitation here. Oh, something really hurts here. Then is an opportunity to say, how do I how do I bring some counterbalance to this? But it's also true that it's not like we're, I, me anyway, I'm not looking for people to avoid their pain. You know, we, we can prioritize pleasure certainly, but the more you feel anything, the more you're going to feel everything. Mm -hmm. And so embodiment then is how do you learn how to be with the sensations in your body in a way that kind of sets aside the, the meaning making, not that it doesn't have value in some instances, but when we strip it down, you know, nervousness and excitement, for instance, if I asked you to describe those in terms of sensation words only, you're probably going to say things like, oh, I feel warm. I, I feel fluttery. My cheeks get flushed. My heart is racing. Now I can just I can take that set of symptoms and call it nervousness or anxiety, and thus I label it bad. I could take those exact same set of physical sensations and call it excitement and anticipation, thus I'm labeling it good. But they're just sensations, right? And so embodiment then is how do we really stay in a practice of being in our bodies, aware of our sensations, sourcing wisdom from them, letting them guide us. Many of us are very numb in our bodies. And, and, and that is because our dominant cultural conditioning has done a bang up job of making that so, um, severing us from our bodies, keeping us in our heads, a lot of external overstimulation, a lot of very strict disciplinary, and this is right, this is wrong paradigms out there that disconnect us from our body. And so the practice then of embodiment is to take it back, to claim for ourselves the birthright that we were born into these bodies. And, and, and so it, it is literally the thing we are born to do, inhabit ourselves, sense ourselves, feel ourselves, connect to the wisdom that our bodies will point us to. And in this way, you know, I don't think I've said this expressly in this conversation, but it is worth mentioning that as much as I love helping people explore their orgasms and their yummy fun sex and all that jazz, it's great, wonderful. I want all of us to have all the pleasure and all the wonderful intimacy we might desire. But for me, erotic wholeness is about activism. You know, it's, it's ultimately about when we're feeling and sensing into our bodies, we know in our guts, in our hearts, in our genitals, like wherever it is that we're sensing it, we know right and wrong. Not because some power on high says right and wrong. We know right and wrong for ourselves. We know safe and unsafe for ourselves. We know what we want to devote our life force energy to. And so embodiment is radical activism. And that's really what 
I would love to see more of in the world. And there are many wonderful somatic practitioners, some of whom are working specifically in the realm of sexuality, but some who are not, who are working in broader ways, who are specifically working at that intersection of somatics and activism. And, and I'm just doing my little part to kind of contribute to that being so for all of us, because the more connected to our bodies that we are, it's not just that we get to create more yummy, juicy sex for ourselves, which we do, but we also get to create a world that is more just and more honoring and safer for us to all live in. And that matters, you know, more than ever, not that it hasn't always mattered, but more than ever, we're in such dire and critical places um, with what's going on with our climate, with what's going on in our political spheres, racism, you know, all these different ways that humanity has really wreaked a whole lot of havoc. So when we are in our bodies and available to really sense what's going on and like our own sense of right, wrong, good, bad, safe, unsafe, we make decisions differently. And that makes all the difference. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it, it always, it's just that's such a beautiful place to end actually with yeah. that because it is so true. And people come to, I've seen this time and time again with my clients, with my colleagues, you know, they come about pleasure and orgasms and like, oh, I'm starting to learn to trust myself now and listen to what I want. And, you know, all of these things that you mentioned about that sense of right and wrongness. And it's just such beautiful work to witness that flowering and that blossoming. Yeah. Yep. Everything's yeah. connected to everything at the yes. end of the day. So that is absolutely. come for the come for the sex and stay for the the deep transformation <laughs> in the all good all good <laughs> and is there any final um wisdom or anything else you feel alive to share as we wrap up hmm. i'll sit with that a moment sometimes oh. i can be very quick to respond on things like that yeah What's in my heart is, is that I want for everybody who has listened to this conversation and thanks for hanging in with us, you know, for going on an hour or whatever it is now. Um, I, I just want to really say, and this is not just like some pandering comment. It's like, this is available to you. This is available to you. Your path might not look like my path, might not look like, you know, 10 other people's paths. It's yours. But this notion of being connected to your body, feeling safe in your body, alive in your body, having access to pleasure, creating intimate relationships that genuinely fill you up, that light you up, like this is available to you. This is not rocket science and this is not elite luxurious privilege. Like this is our basic birthright and you're not wrong and you're not at fault if this is not the experience you're having now. There are a lot of systemic factors that have contributed to that as well as the particulars of your journey. And so I just want you to know that this is available for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as this is a Sexy Life podcast, I'd love the final question to be, what does living a sexy life mean for you? Oh God, how, how revealing do you want me to be? <laughs> how revealing do you want to be? <laughs> My sexy life includes a lot of sex <laughs> because I really enjoy that. But I think what makes my life feel sexy is that I have created a life for myself where I have space. I work hard and I play hard to use that euphemism that cliched phrase like I there is space for me to slow down and get present with myself and indulge the things that give me pleasure I can make love to my partner for hours if I want to I can eat the yummy meal and I, I get that there's privilege involved in that and there's also a lot of intention and design like I have created a sexy life by choosing to step outside of certain norms and do things in the way that my heart and body really feel inspired by rather than what my brain has been taught are the right ways. Mm. And so that's my sexy life is, is, <laughs> is a spacious one where I get to, yeah. to do things that bring me pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much. I wish I could take have had taken a photo of you when I asked you that question. <laughs> that was one lit up woman. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and um, you've got a ebook that people can download. I called, do. Yeah, touch yourself. I so do. please share a little bit about that. Yeah, there is Touch Yourself, which is a, a, a beautiful guide to inspire your solo mindful meditation and to really expand or mindful masturbation meditation to expand what's possible when it comes to that. Um, I also have some e-courses, self-guided journeys that that you can take from, you bring me into your bedroom with you basically, <laughs> or your living room or wherever you are. And there's the erotic wholeness toolkit that is available for anyone to take as an individual journey. It's some of my favorite embodiment practices, um, tools that are in my toolkit. And then there is... Um, turned on igniting your best sex, which is for couples. And it gives you some, it's part skillful communication stuff and part sexy activities and, and getting inspired of new ways to explore together. So there's that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, there's some new stuff coming and, and by the, I don't know, by the time this airs, it might actually be out in the world. So I'll just say that I'm, I am creating a mighty network forum, a community forum, and I'm going to be doing free um, to whomever is part of our community, free monthly talks and just offering things at a, at a different level of access where we can be tending community together and having meaningful conversations and experiences. So yes, working with me one-to-one -one might sometimes be a bit of a privileged thing for many and there's it's not the only way. So whether you're interested in something deep diving one-on-one -on -one or a more communal experience, there's there's pieces of erotic wholeness out there for you. And I genuinely look forward to hearing from anyone who wants to lean in beautiful well i'll put your website and the link to the ebook in the show notes and your main social media is up in instagram it is i'm on instagram yeah. at eroticalness that that's Fantastic. where you find me <laughs> wonderful well thank you so much for your juiciness and your wisdom and just all your experience and knowledge that you've shared today thank you so much for your generosity with that really um, a pleasure yeah, Truly a pleasure. You. Thank you for inviting me into this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sararosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.